has tricks. Birth date, 1st the 10th, 1963. We were living in Lincolnshire and it was a very normal humdrum town and punk hit the newspapers and, you know, my dad being my dad was going, oh my God, look at the state of that lot and all that sort of thing. I was going, that looks really funky. I like that. There's something about it that really appealed to me. And then I moved to Milton Keynes and got involved with the music scene. Um, And I was in the arts anyway. And I just, I I was with some mates and we had a car crash. And uh, and I thought, right, you could die at any minute. You've got to do something different. So I bleached my hair and it came out yellow. So that was quite funny. And then I just kept on bleaching it. And I just, there was something really empowering about having white hair that was all like crimped and just all over the shop and then it was pink and then it was mohawked and then it was green and that was what appealed to me the most I think was was the empowerment of um of just just being yourself and different colors and yeah it just it just appealed to me and interestingly and I was thinking about this the other day When I was at university, I did a performance studies course and one of the themes of it was the visible woman. So I did it about me and my history and part of it was a lecture that I gave and in that lecture, and I don't know if I've still got the lecture notes, but in that lecture I said that being a punk suited me because I was born with mild spina bifida and club foot. So much as I would have liked to have worn open-toed sandals and sling-back high heels, I can't physically wear them. But I can rock a pair of DMs and I can rock a pair of, you know, thigh-length leather boots with a little heel. You can't wear that with a frock. Well, you can, actually, and I probably have. But but in a lot of ways, my physicality dictated that punk was right for me. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. We moved to Milton Keynes in 78. I was a bit young for the original punk. I was kind of late to it. Um, so I was, I was late to the punk scene, um, but just hanging out with the people here. And in fact, the first band I got into was probably because of the way I looked. Yeah, because I looked right, because I couldn't really sing, to be honest. So yeah, it, it just it just worked. So we moved in seventy eight, and I must have been about seventy nine, eighty when I started. Probably about seventy nine, eighty when I started experimenting, starting with the hair. Um, Did the door at the Crawford? Um, you know, five foot one, but I was a bouncer. That was quite funny, and just went to see loads of bands. But ma- mainly it was Petrie Bridge Youth Club, you know. So that there, there was. Um, Ethnic Minority and Dancing Counterparts and Us and lots, you know, NA Pop 2000. Well, originally in Parisians, then NA Pop 2000. So there were low. I was part of the scene. We were all one big family. And even if our music wasn't the same, you know, everyone just hung out together and supported each other under Dick Emmings' wonderful leadership. Do you know what? I can't get rid of it, but I can't get into it anymore and I'll never be able to get into it again. But for my 17th birthday... Biffo bought me a leather miniskirt, black leather miniskirt with four zips. And I was wearing that up until I was about 43, because I could still get into it then. (laughs) Um, So there was a lot of leather miniskirts. I would buy stuff and I would adapt it. Um, Always wore Levi's, even when I was doing punky stuff. You know, if I was wearing jeans, that had to be Levi's. 
there, I remember having, and I don't know what happened to them, I had two Macs. One was a bright pink Mac and one was a lime green Mac and I remember them really well. I, I occasionally made stuff, but my idea of sewing is actually Wonderweb. But So it was mainly shop-bought stuff and I went down to London, Kensington Market with Dylan a couple of times. Good when we played the venue. Uh, we, we supported Spiz Energy at the venue and I was desperate to find something spectacular to wear. Got a pair of shoes, couldn't find anything else to wear. I, I bought a long leather skirt, which Dylan thought was ridiculous, and he was right. I think I only ever wore it twice. And it cost me 60 quid. Idiot. Anyway, what I ended up wearing when we played the venue was a... It belonged to Sheila Webley, and it was actually a gold circle skirt, and it had, like, loads of pink and green and blue dashes in it. It was beautiful. And I just put it over my head, pinned it at the back, and... W- wore it like a dress so it was a real mini dress um and there are photographs of that on facebook um so yeah that, so actually it was a part made stuff or part found stuff good old charity shops as well i liked all of it i wasn't so keen on like anthrax and stuff like that which my little brother william was hugely into um but but i you know i wasn't crazy about that but i would listen to it I, I loved everything for... I always have had a mixture of everything, like from, you know, Sibelius to the Sex Pistols. But I loved Killing Joke. And I remember going to see them at the Bossard Hall in Leighton Buzzard the first time. And it was quite a heavy atmosphere in there. There was loads of hardcore punks in there. Geordie, there's a Milton yeah. link with Geordie, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, because Geordie went Kings. to Leon yeah. and he was a mate of Scribbo's. Mm. And, uh, but we went to see them and... And there's, there's that huge organ sound that they make, particularly in, I think it was War Dance, mm-hmm. um, or is it Requiem? I think it's Requiem. Anyway, it's it, in some of their tracks, and it's like going, it felt like you were at Santa Pod when the rocket cars went past. The, it hurt your chest, and that was a real physical thing, so I loved that. Um, yeah, I, the Clash, I'm a huge Clash fan, saw them a few times and loved them. Um but I think locally, my favorite, two favourite bands were probably Fictitious and Dancing Counterparts. I remember, I can't remember where it was, went for an interview for a job or something, and they said, oh, you've got your nose pierced, it'll have to come out. And I went, well, I won't work for you then, bye. Bottom line, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, having my nose pierced doesn't make me a serial killer. Trying to make me take it out might affect that, but no, no way. I mean, I was lucky because I worked work, work for Virgin Records for a couple of years, so that worked, that was fine. I used to work with children, so it didn't really matter. I worked, well, Trevor Jevons was the head teacher of the school that I was at. His sons were in my band, and Trevor played with us sometimes, and he was a musician, so, you know, it, it wasn't an issue. And, and actually, children found it fun. I, me and my dad were, were dead close. He was my hero, and I loved him to bits. And he had, he was full of mickey-taking. And so I'd kind of get ready and, like, get myself all ready to go out so you know, the hair all spiky up or fluffy up and all my leather gear on all that malarkey and I go what do you think dad how do I look and he'd every time he'd say you look like a sack of shit tied up early tied up ugly get out there and have a good time <laughs> and my mum would just go oh Jesus you can't go out with that skirt like that it's too short what's going to happen to her and my dad would say if anyone gives her any hassle it will open its mouth and let out such a screech that they will run away <laughs> So, yeah, Dad quite liked it, actually, because he was a bit of a rebel. Um, and I remember when Grandad died, I had white hair. And and my mum 
was like, I said, oh, I just want to have my pink hair for Grandad's funeral. She went, well, you can't. I went, well, he's dead. He ain't going to know. But Grandad liked it. It amused him. So I compromised and had a pink fringe with the rest of it white. So, yeah, you know, my nan used to tuck and roll her eyes. But, but they were ever so supportive. It's like I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't breaking any laws. I was just looking a bit different. And I think, well, I've always been a bit like that, so I think they were quite proud of me, really. Well, I know there was... I was never much of a record buyer, to be honest. I only ever had a few albums, because I was never at home. I was always around other people's places or usually around the Jevonses. Um, usually around the Jevonses or at Pear Tree or at gigs. Mm -hmm. I was very rarely at home, so I didn't really buy records. But there was... Because Paul Salmon had a record shop, and there was, there was a little record shop up the city centre. There was one in Bletchley... Don't know about the rest of it, but like I say, I wasn't much of a record buyer. I always kind of kept the look, and I... It's like the band I was in, although I looked punky, the, the band was New Wave. You know, it was synth music. So we weren't we weren't particularly punks. We wore some ridiculous things. You know, Glyn Jevon used to wear Trevor's white and black circular beaded jacket and a cape. And then the Skinheads used to come to the gigs and do the Batman tune for Glyn. <laughs> You know, it was it was a mockery, but it was a, a, an affectionate one. There was a real real sense of community, and that was encouraged and celebrated by Dick. And then, of course, there was the Pear Tree album, which was just a fantastic thing to be part of and very exciting at the time. Yeah, my understanding is that the police played the bowl, and they were, you know, they really enjoyed it. And so, what they did was they gave some money somewhere and it ended some of it ended up at our youth club at the Pear Tree Bridge Youth Club and it was and it gave us money shiny got a cork keep synthesizer out of it and then there was this money to record this album so we did NA Pop 2000 did two tracks on the album and we recorded it at the old mill studio in Stony Stratford and then there were photographs taken and um John Peel played us which is very exciting there was a, a album launch gig at the pits and the bands were so varied, you know, there was there was us, there were you guys, there was Dancing Counterparts, Tickets, uh, oh dear, and Jeff, King Size King, you know, it was rock and roll, so it was, that was lovely. We all played, we all supported each other, it was a really good gig. Um, and funnily enough, a couple of years ago, Dylan Jevons, who wrote Panic In Your Mind, got approached by an American label who were releasing an album of 80s rare tracks and they did it on a clear, pretty clear vinyl and on a CD and uh, what our, and I put, our song is on there. Kind of went global. Great. Good stuff. I think we're... Uh... Done. <laughs>